Hi there, I'm Greg from Kapow. Visit us at kapow.com to check out our unique collection of everyday reusable products designed to help you do more with less. C-U-P-P-O-W.com. I'm Linda Palaccio, host of A Taste of the Past. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. This is Dave Arnold, your host of Cooking Issues, coming to you live on the Heritage Radio Network in Bushwick, Brooklyn, out of the back of Alberta's Pizzeria in what looks to be a container that was uh, pasted over with wood. Jack, why did they, like, faux wood this container up? Why not? Well, I mean, like, it's a container, like, you know, living. A raw container? Like, corrugated. It's got, like, you know, five billion year old reused, like, you know, upstate barn beams. Well, it it looks nice, and it probably diffuses the sound a little bit, because if you just had the container, it would kind of sound like maybe being in a shower or something, you know? Mm. I don't know. I don't know. What do you think about the faux wood finish stuff? I like it. Yeah? It's like a cabin. In a cat, yeah? Excavating mm-hmm. for a mine? Mm-hmm. You got your uh, sweet, sweet Clementine in your head? Mm-hmm. You're joined, as usual, with Nastasia the Hammer. Lopez, how you doing? Good. Yeah? And in the engineering booth today, we have the intrepid Jack Inslee. We also have Rebecca, the, uh, what's her official title with the Booker and Dax? She's a Booker and Dax intern, but she's focusing very heavily on social media, which is what she's doing now. So you should all tweet at us, please. Yeah. At yeah. what handle? At cooking issues and heritage underscore radio. What's with the underscore, Jack? You, you couldn't get it away from those like weird, like, you know. It's a uh, constant battle, Dave. The underscore. If, if somebody in the Cooking Issues Army can, can like, you know, reconquer the regular Heritage Radio Twitter handle, we'll do down. something for them. Listen, I'm not saying you should find these people and threaten them. I'm just saying if you did find them and threaten them, we would gladly accept That's the, right. the handle without the underscore. But we're not advocating that you threaten them. You know what I'm saying? Correct. So, uh, by the way, call in your questions to 718-497-2128. That's 718-497-2128. I actually had to call in yesterday. I was on the uh, Cutting the Curd program. Yeah. Yeah. Plastic wrap. Hey, I have to do something before we start the show. Okay. I have to give the biggest shout out ever to oh. Kevin Scott, who gave us a very generous donation. Thank you so, 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 so much, Kevin Scott. Is that you uh, vaporizing his enemies? Yeah. <laughs> that's that's what just happened. They're gone. Yeah. All the- <laughs> Kevin, all your enemies totally, totally yep. vaporized. By the way, speaking of, uh, uh, not speaking of vaporization, but who's who's Kapow? New? Yeah. Yeah, they're new. And it's spelled with a C, like Kapow. company, like company uh, pow. Not like when I spell Kapow, I spell it Batman style, which is K A C U P P O W. Wait, like cup. Pow! Yeah. Like take take the cup that you're drinking out of, and don't smash it into smithereens because that would be against the mission of reuse, reduce. Actually, I guess it's reduce first, then reuse, then recycle. Those are, that's the order that we're supposed to do everything, right? Mm. Yeah, yeah. It's a cool company, though. Check them out. Kapow.com, and you'll hear more on the break from them. So, What do they, what do they sell? Coffee socks. What, what coffee socks? A coffee sock. What the hell is a coffee sock? A what co- is a coffee sock? Well, they've got travel mugs and Let me tell you something canning about coffee. jar lids and Let drinking. Let me tell you something about coffee. No feet. No feet on coffee. <laughs> Don't require socks. What is that? Is that like a coffee mug sock? Yeah. So you don't have to throw they away have the a freaker. What's a freaker? Co- coffee freaker. What's a freaker? I don't know. 
That sounds like something. What's a freaker, Jack? It sounds like something you would know what it is. Um, I could guess, but I don't speaking know. of which, what, what what was that country Sufi music you let us in with? Ooh, was, I'll play something on the break. No. That is actually thanks for the free plug. I just produced a record for my wonderful girlfriend Odetta Hartman. It's called Two Two Two. It's like psychedelic uh, banjo bluegrass weird stuff, and it just came out last week, and it's gotten some nice reviews and. Yeah, check nice. it out. Odetta Hartman. Odetta Hartman. 222. Does, does she own odettahartman.com? She does. Nice. Yeah. But it does have like a little bit of Sufi twang to it, don't you think? Oh, yeah. A little, little beer and beer and beer. I used to listen to so much uh, Kowali music back in the day. So much Kowali music. All right. So let's get to some questions. I know we had a lot left over from, uh, from last week. Um, I, I got to remember what they are, though, because uh, you know, cause I'm a bad human being. Right, uh, and because I've spent almost every single waking moment working either on the new Booker and Dax project, which I was going to announce today. Cause someone asked us to announce it today, but I don't think I'm quite ready. Maybe, maybe next week. You out there who are twittering in, some people know already because in private I'll tell you what I'm doing, but I don't want to announce over the air because, I mean, not like it. Whatever. And what do you think, Stas? I say announce it two months ago, but well, why? Liability. No, why now? I don't know why because it's going to happen. Yeah, regardless. Is it, we, do we have the uh, not the next project coming in soon? Do we know what the ETA is in that the, the the minor one, the cube? Yeah, it can come out by Christmas. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, we do have a product coming out that's not that's not a big deal though. It's it, like, I, people will like it. Okay, okay. So listen, but listen. explain it. Listen, listen, it's listen. Hard to wrap your head around. Listen, it's this is very difficult to wrap your head around. Okay, listen. <laughs> so. Uh, Okay, when you shake a cocktail, right, it's been known for a long time among kind of higher-end bartenders that shaking with a large cube, and by large, we're talking like two inches across, right, uh, creates a uh, better texture, right? So I was doing – I do events a lot, and uh, what would happen is is no one would ever bring the big ice cubes to the event, right? We would have them at the bar, but we wouldn't have them at the event, and then I would lose my mind, right, because – Nastasia's heard me say this a billion times. Does it make any sense to donate your time, to get people to donate product, and then show up and not do the best job you can just because of an ice cube? No. Does it make any damn sense? No sense. Rebecca, does that make any sense? She's not on the mic right yet. It doesn't make any sense. Makes no... As uh, Chuck D... uh, This is a quote, so it's just not my curse. (laughs) Makes no goddamn sense at all. That's him talking about the New York Post, which he he detested back in the day. Anyway, so uh, you shake with the big ice cube, uh, and you get a better result, but the big ice cubes aren't necessarily sitting around. So it struck me that it's not the actual ice cube that's important. In other words, it doesn't need to be ice. It's just the shape. So then I started looking at uh, building fake ice cubes, right? But they're not ice cubes. They're just texturizers, right? Wait, so are they cold? Stas, I love, the, I love you for this because it did – no, they are not cold. They are not ice cubes. Neither do you put them in the fridge. Hmm. They are unlike – or the freezer. They are unlike a whiskey stone. They are, in fact, designed to have almost no effect on the dilution of your cocktail at all, Ooh. right? No effect – let me say this again. They have no effect on the dilution of your cocktail at all. So you still have to put ice. You, you, but but the good news is is uh, you don't have to freeze the big ice cubes for shaking anymore. So like at a, at, a, at, a, at, a, at a well, like so if you come to our ice well and look at it at Booker and Dax, it's full of 
ice cubes, big ice cubes that you're basically throwing away after one shake and they're melting into nothing, right? So it takes up a bunch of freezer space and you have to melt all this ice. Whereas you could just use the small crappy ice and get the same same texture as if you had a big ice cube just by throwing in this, what are we calling it? Cocktail cube. It's like texturizing cube that has no freaking chilling ability. Get it through your head. It it's doesn't like rock. No, because a rock will affect the dilution. No, but think of it as like it does not. Think of it as not existing other than as a texturizing effect. Okay, it, it and it, oh, it has the same density as ice. It has uh, it feels the same in a shaker as ice, but it has no chilling effect one way or t- other. Okay, all it's doing is making it better. What's it made out of? Justin wants to know how can it not mess with your dilution? Ah, that's an excellent question, Justin. Uh, Because it uh, it has very low. In other words, it will mess with it slightly. It will uh, theoretically, uh, if it is warm, it will slightly cause slightly more dilution, and if it is cold, it will cause slightly less. But it itself has very low uh, specific heat, so it doesn't store a lot of energy, and it's also an incredibly poor conductor, so an insulator as as well. So it doesn't uh, transmit heat or suck heat in readily. So it's 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 an insulator, and it has a low specific heat. So it, it has almost no effect, no noticeable effect on uh, dilution. But ex- excellent question, uh, Justin. So anyway, so before Christmas, those are going to be uh, in in town. But uh, the big goal is to launch the big product on a presale by. Black Friday. You think we're going to do it, Stas? You think we're going to make it? We have to, right? You a Black Friday fan? Uh, Not am the I? last three years. No, no, our Thanksgivings have been ruined like three times straight, but like they have... They- the th- the fact of the matter is is that anyone in retail knows you you do like huge numbers at the end of the at the end of the year. You know what I mean? Yeah. You sure do. Yeah. BJD wrote in, uh, "Hey, uh, Hammer, Dave, and J Mall, which is your which is your nickname wow. for the molecules." Is that the second time I got a J Mall? No, we just didn't get to the question last oh, time. Oh, okay, good. Yeah, I've seen nitrogen pushed cold toddy coffee around. Is that something I could do with my EC Whipper? If so, what's your suggested procedure? Uh, send for my iPhone, BJD. Okay, so. Um, Look, there's a couple different things. When people say people, – I wish people would get over – listen, I want you – next time you see someone and, they, and they, they're not clear, is it cool to tell people to like lightly smack people in the face like no. a little bit? Mm, probably not. Well, like punch them in the arm? Do it with your eyes. Oh, give them a, like an eyeball smackdown? That's what Stas yeah. does 100% of the time. Yeah. <laughs> if if Stas' eyeball smackdowns were effective, I would be like crushed into like a, a disc on the ground, like a, like a thin – pasty disc right anyways uh so do not and do not allow anyone else to confuse the difference between nitrogen a the relatively inert uh diatomic gas that we breathe in and turn to a liquid so that we can freeze things and nitrous oxide the uh bubbly soluble sweet narcotic uh um i should say anesthetic uh, product that we um, used for whipped cream, right? So you could use nitrogen to uh, push coffee around, but I would guess that you want to use nitrous. And the reason you want to use nitrous is because it creates the kind of um, nice texture in a coffee drink that you lose when it's not hot, right? When it, or when it hasn't been just made, especially espresso, which has that kind of like, you know, that liveliness, and so it puts it puts it back in. So sure, I mean, you do it. Just put it. I have a, actually a couple of nitrous push, pushed uh, recipes in uh, in my uh, in the book in Liquid Intelligence. Uh, you just you know just shake it and shoot it, right? 
You know what I mean? Unless you're unless you're looking to use your EC whipper to push out a larger quantity out of a bottle, in which case you got to go through a rigmarole and blah blah blah. Does that make sense, Jack? Am I making any sense? Yeah, Stop. I've got a caller on the line. When you're ready for all it. right, caller, you're on the air. Hey, Dave, this is Devin from uh, D.C. I uh, just got back from my honeymoon in Japan, and, uh, of course, uh, we went to the Sakiji uh, fish market. We saw the Ikejime, which was awesome, um, and my wife is an awesome person, so she insisted that I buy a Yanagi when we walked past the Aratsugu um, stall in the outer Sakiji market. Nice. Um, and it's one of the you know sweet traditional single bevel uh, deals. That's the way to go. And yeah, yeah, uh, I'm really excited to use it. Um, my question is, I've never honed a single bevel knife, and I actually don't know if that's even something that you do. I, I have the some DMT uh, whetstones, but I also have a ceramic um, honing um, uh, steel, and would you just put the flat side against the flat part of the, the, the honing steel, or do you not even hone uh, Yanagi at all? Okay, so uh, I do things, uh, compared to what a Japanese person thinks is reasonable, I am uh, the worst human in the world, a complete enemy, enemy of quality. I do not follow, I'm just letting you know straight up, I do not follow traditional sharpening procedure uh, on any of my traditional uh, Japanese knives. Which DMT stone do you have? I have a set of three, like, uh, medium, fine, and extra fine, I think. Yeah, but do you have the interrupted ones? The interrupted pattern? Do you have the interrupted pattern or the solid pattern? The one with the polka dots. Is that interrupted? Yeah, the interrupted pattern. Okay. Do you have the really, really big one? No, they're like uh, five inches long, maybe. Yeah. Well, like, for something like this, I find it's it's a lot easier. I know it's an investment, but, like, the, the only one I use, really is the the very big one that has uh, two sides on it, and uh, it's the uh, fine, extra fine, so that's green and red in the DMT yeah. colors. And I use the big ones. It's just going to make your, your life a lot easier. But even so, most uh, Japanese – remember, you can't, you can't switch – you can't mentally switch between European-American grits and Japanese grits. It doesn't, doesn't work, right? Uh, but those guys are all using uh, very, very fine-grained uh, water stones. But you don't need you don't need to do that, frankly. I mean, I've been doing it for years, and no one's ever said, "Hey, Dave, your Yanagi's not sharp." Instead, they're like, "Holy crap, that's a sharp knife!" You know what I mean? Uh, and uh, the good news is, is that even though there's a mystique about this. Uh, the Japanese knives are the easiest knives to sharpen in the world, which is, you know, I guess why they can make them out of a, a steel that requires so much freaking sharpening because you have to touch it up all the time. You know what I mean? Uh, so I would, I don't do anything other than uh, I finish on the on the extra fine, and I just, um, you know, on the flat side, I will go almost a hundred percent flat, like like basically flat. Like I would, but I won't. I won't put any force into it at all. Like when I'm going on the green, when I'm going on the less fine one, I'll maybe lift it up slightly to take any burr off. Like when I'm saying slightly, I mean like like a couple paper, couple pa- thicknesses of paper off the back edge, just so I'm not putting a mark on the back of my knife. And then shoom, but then on my last one, it's literally just like gliding over over that thing. It should be almost nothing. You know what I mean? Uh, you're really just taking the burr off on that on that side, and it's um, because remember. When you look at the back, it should be slightly con, 
cave on that side anyway. So you should. It's not like you should be getting a bunch of scrape alongs across the back of the knife if if, if you're doing right. if you're doing it right. And you'll find that it's the easiest knife in the world to sharpen. It's so easy to sharpen, and it's so freaking sharp. Sometimes I will um, I will run the knife backward. I have a leather strop, so sometimes I'll I'll just uh, like lightly drag it backwards uh, on a, a strop to take off anything off the edge that's done. But I don't I don't go to any hyper fine stuff. I don't do any like honing or polishing of it. And because you're doing it like every time you use it, you know what I mean. Every time you bust it out, you you touch it up and you go. So you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. I, I guess uh, I guess it's a commitment. <laughs> well, <laughs> which is fine. It's like literally. It's like it's like a like a minute, especially if you're used to it. And this is the problem I have with a lot of like big systems. So I have um, one of the um, I forget the name of it, but it's a very popular uh, sharpener that you bolt down and you have like the thing that holds the exact angle and it goes up to like eight million. It goes up to like basically what looks to be – it feels like that it's not abrasive at all. Like it's like finer than even than toothpaste and anything. And you know, you, you scrape it along the thing and it maintains the angle and stuff. You're never going to use it every day because it's a it's it's a it's a thing it's a it's a rigmarole to 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 use it right whereas i have a big dmt the big dmt thing that's flat it doesn't throw off grit i don't need to soak it like a japanese water stone right so literally i just rinse off any grit that's on it throw it on my surface shap 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 and i'm ready to cut and then you have a yanagi where every time you draw it through a piece of fish you are a happy person Right. So is it worth like, you know, 45 seconds to a minute to prepare yourself when you're going to cut an expensive piece of fish anyway, such that you get a cut that makes you want to cry? It's so much fun to cut the single draw through without that line because you had to push the other direction. Don't you hate that line when you have to push in the other direction? Yeah. Yeah, you hate it. So it's like it's it's totally worth the time. So it, it feels like a commitment when you're starting, but when you're actually using it, it's like so much more fun to cut that way that it's like you're not going to you're not going to think about it. Yeah. Cool. Thanks a lot. All right. No problem. Uh, but I'm sure someone will write in that I'm an enemy of quality and a terrible person for the way that I sharpen it. I have another call that just came in. All right, caller. You're on the air. Uh, hey, Dave. Um, uh, Dan, Seattle, or right. just south of there anyway. Um, I've been doing pork belly at 65 degrees uh, Celsius for 24 hours. And as long as I do it with a dry rub, it comes out perfectly. Okay. I mean, absolutely perfectly. But I'm trying to get, basically, to do um, Ivan Raman's pork belly in the sous vide. And I cannot reduce it enough to keep the texture from going completely weird in the bag. Huh. Uh, so how reduced is the, like, tell me, tell me what, what, what liquids are going in the bag. Okay, so it's, it's, it's soy sauce, sake, and I mean, I mean, he calls for mirin, but good mirin is so hard to find in the U.S., I just add more sake with more sugar. Okay. Garlic and ginger. It, it, it's nothing real complicated. And I mean, I reduce it, I mean, as much as I can reduce it and still and get more of it out of the pot than I leave stuck to the pot. Right. And it's still, and what happens to the it's texture? still, I mean, just the, the texture of the pork comes out completely different. Um, am I, um, like how so? Like more spongy or more like it's poached? Yeah, yeah. It's, okay, so like when I do a dry rub, and I've done three, three or four different ones. Um, it's one of the best things I cook. Um, I mean, it comes out perfectly firm, but perfectly tender. It's just, 
it's just still sliceable. Right. And you sear it off for, you know, a minute by whatever's convenience that day. Um, I just got the uh, palladium screens for my sears all, and that is a very good trick. Oh, nice. Uh, you know, and you sear it off. I mean, it's just it's just absolutely amazing. But I cannot get this soy sauce sake flavor profile. Huh. Um, how, how much liquid is coming out of the regular dry rub bag when you're cooking? Um, probably two tablespoons of fat and one tablespoon of liquid. I mean, guessing. I mean, that's cooking more or less an eight-ounce portion. Right. So now are you, on the dry rub, are you letting it sit for a while before you bag it? Like how no, long? I am. Um, right. I, I I just do a fairly high salt percentage, like one third salt, two thirds, two thirds of whatever the spice is. I mean, five spice works great. Mm-hmm. And I just you know mix that up, pat it on the belly, pat it on there heavy, uh, and straight in the bag. And then, you know it's just the, the results are too good to you know. Yeah. And your vacuum level, with, um, your vacuum level is the same in both cases. You think? Well, it's exactly the same bag on exactly the same machine, and I mean, I've done this with exactly the same piece of pork. Because I mean, like Costco sells, will sell you a whole belly, you know, basically five pounds of belly, and you, right. I portion that out, and um, you know, uh, put two or three or four things on it, and put it in the freezer. Well, how much how much liquid would you say is going into the bag uh, when you're doing it this other way? Probably. Two to three tablespoons. I mean, I'm really trying not to put too much in there. I've been trying to put less and less as mm-hmm. I try to get past this problem. And the less you put in, is is the therefore the better the texture or no? It doesn't seem to matter. Hmm. Now, I mean, any yeah. any starting liquid at all, and it and it just doesn't work. Um, and are there some people? Are there some your people dry rub has sugar, right? Soy sauce powder. I mean, clearly you can't oh, yeah. have sake. Oh no, there is. There's there's uh, there is soy sauce powder. There's spray dried soy sauce, and there's um, and there's also um, yeah, there's granulated soy sauce. But but, but your your dry rub has sugar in it or no? Uh, my my dry rub what? Your dry rub also contains sugar or no? Uh, I don't think any of my dry rubs contain sugar. I'm just trying could to. That be the, could I that don't know. Be the whole deal? I don't know. I'm trying to figure out what the differences are between them. You would think that, like, an extra tablespoon of liquid isn't going to necessarily make that big of a difference, right? So I'm just trying to figure out what it is. Yeah, I, I mean that's why I've just been shaking my head about it. But I mean, you know, I with the dry rub, and I've done at least I've done five spice. I've done this. Um, uh, more or less Thai one from Penzi's. I've done. Um, yeah. I've done barbecue. I mean, they all just work amazing. But one drop of liquid and it just goes to heck. Um, well, that's the thing. I wonder if, like, in other words, let's say you were to do the. I don't know how like willing you are to mess with it, but let's say you were to do your dry rub next time, right? And you uh-huh. and you were to just throw like a tablespoon or two tablespoons of like uh, like what, sugar or no stock, like whatever. Like whatever you have, okay. like, and then see whether or not that is uh, like also bad. Because remember, also that like, if, how much spice are you putting in? Is it such that you have to brush it off at the end, or does it all melt melt in? And like, the spices are going to be absorptive. I mean, you have a you, you're putting an absorptive thing into also something that has less water in it to begin with. So I'm wondering whether or not, like, the only the, the, so the things is there's there's added water, there's sugar. 
I don't think the ginger's making that big of a deal. I guess it's potentially possible, but I don't think the ginger's uh, doing too much to the texture. Uh, I, you know, I've been wrong many times, but the, it, the slight amount of alcohol, I don't think is going to do anything to it, um, especially since you've reduced the heck out of it, right? So, right. I mean, I mean, again, you know, I just I try to reduce it until I'm like just terrified of burning it. Right. And, and remember, with the amount of sugar and other solids in that, you'd also think that the water activity of that stuff would be quite low with all the added uh, sugar. I would run a test to see whether or not just adding a couple tablespoons of neutral liquid to your bag totally ruins the texture. In which case, you're in a situation where you might want to go all powdered, and they do make powdered everything, right? Or another thing I would do is you could add a little, like we said before, add a little sugar to one of your – I would, like, next time you do it and you portion them all out, I would take one bag. I would add sugar to your dry rub to the sweetness that you think you're going to get. Uh, I would do another one and throw in a couple tablespoons of water and see whether that – what that does to the texture. Obviously, the taste won't be the same. And uh, and then you could kind of work from there figure out which one it is. At the same time, you can go um, online. I know a lot of uh, powdered soy sauce, spray-dried soy sauce, granulated soy sauce. I've seen them. I've seen them all. The um, I had one last thing, but I forget what it – I have one last thing, but I forget what it is. Jeez, I oh, yeah. Do they taste both like they have the same level of salt in them when you're done? Um, well, I mean they're just such different – taste it's sort of hard to judge right because another thing is is that salt in the thing is going to firm up the meat so if it's a lack of firmness it might also be that you're just low on salt in which case uh i would you could like throw salt but i don't want you to over salt it but if, if the soy sauce one is not as salty as the one that you normally make then what you could do is salt it down put in the reduced stuff and go and it might bring you back to where you once belonged you know what i'm saying got it so those are the things that I would try. I would try to try to make a judgment in your head about how salty the uh, soy sauce one is when you're done. Uh, see whether sugar has an effect. Because I don't think we have. I don't think I've ever really cooked uh, a lot of meat in a bag with a lot of sugar. I don't. I don't know that I have. I'm sure someone has on Twitter here. They'll they'll chime in. Jack, is anyone chiming in on this stuff? Not yet. Someone chime in on this. Chime stuff on in. The board. Chime in on the boards. But anyway, uh, let us let us know how it goes. Thank you very much. All righty. Uh, hey, Jack. You let's want to take-, take yeah. Let's take a really quick break. I've got a caller on the line, so caller, stay tight. We'll get to you in just a second. Uh, first, a few words from Kapow. Americans throw away 58 billion disposable cups every year. A lot of those cups will still be around long after you're dead. Kind of dark, I know, but I'm Greg from Kapow, and we decided to do something about it. We created the only glass travel mug that's 100% U.S. made. You can check it out alongside our complete line of everyday reusables at kapow.com. C-U-P-P-O-W.com. play a little tiny piece of that because um it's such a it's such a cool coincidence you you asked about that music before the show started i told you i produced that album for odetta hartman so the name of the album is 222 and it just happens to be episode 222 of cooking issues what isn't that weird 
220. We've done this 222 times, Dad. Shockingly, yes. Oh, man. That's crazy, huh? That's your girlfriend's voice. That's it. Dude, you gotta you gotta hang out with the Sabri brothers, man. Yeah. Sweet, sweet Makbul Sabri. You could do some some uh, koali chants with that. It'd be sick. Put yeah. put uh, you know. Let you, yeah. What? Nothing. No. no, I remember what you listened to. I think he's the dead one. I forget which one of the famous Sabris is dead. Maybe it's Makbul. I don't know. Anyway. Uh, caller, caller. Oh, so call, caller. Yeah, yeah, caller, caller. You're on the air. Hey, 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 Dave. How are you? Doing all right. Um, okay, so I, uh, I had a friend ask me this question, so I'm uh, calling you because I couldn't figure it out. So he had about uh, 15 leaves of fresh bay that he infused into um, some Leatherby gin from Chicago. Two ways. Once he blanched it, and the other time he didn't. And both times he stored it in an airtight container, and it was a really great green color initially, but then turned to nasty brown after a couple of days. <laughs> I'm familiar with nasty brown. That's my that's my nickname. <laughs> that's right. Hmm. So, so, uh, yeah. so his question is, why did that happen? He thought at least the blanching would have killed those those enzymes, and and he could have had a great color. Well, like, uh, it's, it, like why is it oxidizing over time in straight gin? I mean, you, a lot of times you'll get oxidation. So I'm trying to figure out how to how to prevent it. You would be you if you blanched it enough. Well, okay. I mean, bay leaves are tough suckers, right? Because they're so thick and waxy. Right. Like I don't know how long he blanched them. Um, okay. But I've never had good luck with. I got to be honest. I've never had good luck with bay leaves because it takes forever to infuse them, and they don't nitro muddle well. Um, and they're yeah. so, they're so tough. Why are they turning brown? I mean, certain things are going to turn brown. Like like, uh, what if you dried it first? Dried it first? Yeah, but I guess that kind of kills uh. the fact that you're using fresh, right? But what if you right, dry, what right. if you dried it first? Because you know, like that's an easy way to keep mint really, really just to not from turn brown, right? Is to dry it before you before you put it in to the stuff. Or um, like, why is it the chlorophyll from spinach? In like chartreuse, just never turns brown. Why? Right, right. Huh. Do you think if he tried a different infusion technique instead of maybe like a vacuum infusion and ISI, do you think it would hold the color better? Or no, he's just doing natural, regular natural infusion, right? So uh, right. I think it would just ex- it would accelerate it, but uh, but I don't think it would prevent anything uh, from happening. And also, bay leaf isn't appreciably uh, watering it down, so it's not like you're changing the uh, you know the environment of it. Um, I don't think of bay leaf as being hyper green anyway. Do you, Stas? No. You think of it as being kind of olive drab, right? Yeah. I've used fresh bay. Tastes good. Hard to get into. Did it taste good to stuff? Um, I don't know. I haven't tasted it. I think he said it tasted okay. So he's like, he's letting you look at it, but not letting you taste it? That's so wrong. That's so wrong. Happy they were in the No, no, no. Okay. Uh, he, he's texting me. He says it, it tasted awesome. Oh, okay. Uh, and did it taste any different after it turned brown? Ooh, I don't know. Let's see what he says. Yeah, because like, like most of the time when things are turning brown, there's a there's a concomitant uh, 
uh, oxidized taste as well. You right, exactly. Saying? And uh, he says that it doesn't taste any different. Uh, yeah. Then you know what else? You could also you could freaking cheat. You know what I mean? You can just add some some like chlorophyll, some green style. Go like go chartreuse on that. No one no one accuses okay. no one accuses the Carthusians of being bastards just because they uh, put a little spinach juice into their into their product. You know what I'm saying? I didn't know that. Yeah. How do you think they do that? They put all those dry brown herbs into it, right? Because I've seen the buckets that they pull the herbs out of, and then they, you know, they make it all nice and green. Hmm. Well, I guess they distill it; it comes out clear, and then they add, yes, yeah, like they, they they say it's chlor, they chlorophyll, it's chlorophyll. Um, okay, where where would I find that modernistpantry.com? Uh, they probably, you know what, if, if, if they if they don't have it, they'll probably buy it. And also, there's like all kind of um, people who think that chlorophyll is going to save their their guts from like you know the ravages of whatever they do or do not do to them. So people, you can buy it on Amazon. You can buy chlorophyll powder. Oh, uh, okay. And, and you know, instead of making, you can make it from spinach, right? And there's plenty of like, um, what's it called, uh, YouTube videos on how to get the green out of spinach without the uh, kind of nasty bl- black stuff to, to, to color things green. Pl- plenty, plenty. Yeah. Uh, and that'll probably punch the punch the green up. As, as long as the flavor of the of the liquor is not going uh, oxidized and bad, then I would just cheat with the color rather than like worry your head about it too much. Okay, mm-hmm. awesome. That's uh, that's great. Thanks so much, Dave. Hey, no problem. Uh, all righty. So, uh, another caller. Okay, caller, you're on the air. Hey, it's Elliot Papnell from Chicago. Hey, hey Elliot. What's, I hear you got in an hey. argument with someone over who is the true Elliot. Apparently, there's like yep, du- there's, dueling Elliots. Yeah, there, there's some uh, beef going on in the chat room. I don't know what's going on with it. Nice. nice. <laughs> yeah, so I, got, I got a question for you about cooking some sausages this weekend. So, I made 30 lamb sausages uh, yet last night. And I'm going to be cooking them. I got a, um, a Weber grill and you know, Weber charcoal, Weber gas, and I'll have a stovetop available too. Thinking about doing like a poach and a grill, but uh, I need some advice on timing everything. Okay, uh, what like what, what are we talking here? Like merguez? What size are we talking? Yeah, well, it's uh, it's that uh, kind of mix, but it's a regular like hog casing. Okay. So what I always do on this, I would go. Um, a lot depends on like whether you need them to look 100% perfect but i always prefer like the the high the high heat finish so like they you know if i were you it's no offense to people and their and their gas grills but i've never had a gas grill that i was like yeah that's really freaking hot like that really makes me feel happy about my life how hot it is have you ever encountered yeah. a gas grill that made you feel happy about your life no, I need some uh, serious power for that. Yeah, power. Right. So I would yeah. I would do like the big charcoal, and I and I would go like you know uh, my average temperature to finish things is roughly kind of like as close as I can get it to the surface of the sun, uh, because you can't really over go on uh, on a charcoal uh, heat like that. It's not like using a blowtorch; you can't go too over on it. So I would go like super hot like that. Then I would do. Uh, are the people that you're going to feed it to at all squeamish? No, not at all. Okay, then I would do 140 degrees, which is uh, s- s- oh, plus it's lamb anyway. It's not well, but you have pork fat in it, right? But it doesn't matter. It's not going to be. Uh, no, you know, I didn't. I didn't use any pork fat. I used all lamb fat. So it's a pretty good supply. Oh yeah, was it nice and firm? The fat? Did you like? Does is the lamb have like a firm enough fat to really? Yeah, you know, I I, um, I weighed out about 20 percent, but I think my yield probably got like somewhere between 15 and 20 percent at the end, you know, because it streaked a little bit right. at the end. But I weighed I weighed it afterwards. The stuff I took out. Right. So I well, think I'm, if you're know, somewhere between 10 15. If you're doing if you're getting smear and you're uh, and like you're doing lamb fat, then like low temp is 100 percent the way to go because that way, if you were going to get like a lot of bleed out, if it wasn't going to hold, 
the, then yeah. uh, then the low temp, you're going to like be a freaking champion. You know what I'm saying? Uh, so yeah, norm, most normally with any sausage, I'm doing uh, I do uh, 60 Celsius, which is you know 140. All right. uh, now right, I should be able to get that on the stove because I got an electric stove and it's got pretty good temperature control, so I should be fine. Oh, you don't have a circ? What's that? You don't have a circulator? No, I don't have a circulator. Oh. I see. I assume circulator. Yeah, but you can do one forty. One forty is not that hard. So, but I would I would do it in water in bags, and I would put okay. what, what I typically do is I put. Uh, oh, you could do a poach. Remember that time? Did we do beers? Beer that time, yeah. Stas? Yeah, you could do it that way too. You can do a, a, a you could do a poach. You could do a poach. All right. But if you made the All sausages, right. man, they have circulators now for like like they're almost free. They're almost free. Oh, I know. I, I got to get one of those. They're almost. They're I, give- I like I like going, I like going over the live fire, so they got to they got to keep it a little rusty. Yeah, all right. But anyway, so yeah, so you, like, uh, oh, you know what? Another thing you could do, you could do the old school, uh, the way that people, you could get like a, a cooler, calculate the weight of sausage, and then the the weight of your poaching liquid, and then like dump it in and let it just cook through and settle down, and then you could just pull them out of the out of the vat as they go and go bang, bang, yeah. bang, right? So like, if you have like a stock that you like the flavor of, and you know that it's like. Um, well, you just have to calculate what the what the finished temperature is, and there's okay. they're, they're not that big, so it doesn't take that long to cook them through as long as they're submerged. So uh, you know, like you know, like like half hour or something like that. And so yeah, and you, I got lamb stock already too, so I could put that in there and then finish them on the grill to pull them off. And- yeah. Yeah. So then you could like take the cooler, like you like like a couple hours beforehand. You put the water, you know, you put the water in at the strike temperature, which you know any homebrew shop, any homebrew site will tell you how to calculate strike temperature for things like mashes, and uh, okay. you know, and um, it's it's a little bit different because uh, you have you have to assume that the thermal mass of your sausage is roughly the same as water, right? So you okay. figure that uh, unlike uh, I don't know how they calculate. It's been a long time whether they bother doing the calculations on thermal mass for when they're doing malt. I don't know, but anyway, check it out. But and and a bunch of other people have calculated the strike temperatures uh, for um, cooking low temp in uh, in uh, standard five gallon coolers before or whatever you want. So, anyways, so like a couple hours beforehand, uh, you do that, and then the temperature slowly drops over the next um, over over the couple of hours, which is actually a benefit to you because it means that you're not going to overcook on the finish, but they'll still be warm, right? So win win yeah. win. Pull them right out with tongs, right on the freaking like hotter than the sun grill. Your broth will taste better. You can use it later, make a sauce with it. And as long as it's a very, very flavorful liquid, it's not going to ruin the flavor of your sausage just too much. Yeah, it's going to be good. Yeah. But get a circulator. They're like, how much do they cost now, Stas? Uh, well, like yeah, they're like 150 bucks, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm going to tell you, like uh, whatever holidays you may or may not uh, celebrate, get someone to get it because, like, it's going to make your life so much easier with the stuff you're doing. It'll, it can, depending on what how you cook and what you cook, it can save you money in the end because you know, you know, you'll never. Yeah, gonna, that's true. You know, Chat rooms going yeah, nuts. We got, we got Christmas coming up, and my birthday is right around there too, so we'll be good to go. Get a circulator. But what is the chat room yeah. saying about this, Jack? They can't believe he doesn't have a circulator. Uh, maybe he's not yeah. the number people, one people, people, chip in. Get my man Elliot a circulator. Come on. Come on. Come on. He's asked so many good questions that you guys have heard the answers I'll to. say this, though. I can solve the real Elliot question. Oh. It's obviously the next donation that comes in from an Elliot. <laughs> oh, man. That'll be the real Elliot. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. All right. Uh, okay. So, uh, do we do we talk you about have the four minutes? Do we talk about the? <laughs> do we talk about Mastija last time? Mastika? Yes. Okay, so we got yeah right. We talked about it. But we didn't ask, ask George's question because someone else called in about Mastika, right? 
very hard to keep track of uh, what's uh, what's going on. Oh, this one actually uh, would be good for um, this one would be good for the the, the Twitterverse out there. That what do you, what do you call the people on the Heritage Radio site? What 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 is that called? What what's the chat room called? Oh, I don't know. We had to come up with a name for that. I don't know. Yeah, you got to do that. This one in because, like, I'm going to just say right now that my opinion is not good. Here we go. Joel Stowe writes in on Chile. Uh, hey, Nastasia, Dave, Jack, and uh, whoever else is hanging around, which is Rebecca today. Um, it's getting to be chili cook-off season. You a fan of chili, Stas? Yes. What kind of chili do you Right. Like? Any kind of chili. Hey, wait, what do you mean? Any Except kind of, any kind of chili with curry. And it's not chili, so let's not get into this conversation. Oh, yeah. It's, remember, Stas probably makes her chili without cumin. So, like, uh, she's, I mean, cumin. <laughs> she's automatically... Wait, you hate cumin? Is that what you said? I just don't put it in. It's not chili, then. I know. Why? It's not freaking chili. Let's get to the question. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, and I'm really looking to put some effort into finalizing my recipe this year. I haven't heard you speak on the topic at all. So do you have any special uh, tips, uh, tricks, or modern or otherwise that might make, uh, uh, t- uh, make a good chili and put it over the top? I don't know if a circulator would help at all, but maybe there's something interesting that can be done with the initial chili mixture. Do you have all uh, a favorite brand of bl- 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 blend of dried chilies, a favorite uh, favorite method of adding extra flavor, beer, chocolate, marmeet, anchovies, tomato paste, beef bones, bourbons? You like using short ribs as the meat. Any tips would be much appreciated. Love the show. Uh, Joel. Okay, so listen. I'm going to want people to tweet in because I don't ha- – I'll tell you how I make it, but I don't think that I have any like – like my tricks like aren't aren't amazing, right? Like I use a pressure cooker and I over over overdose on uh on alliums, right? Because uh they they you know get kind of totaled in the pressure cooker, right? I use like hyper reduced uh I what I do it's super it's fast. So I'm not doing like chili cook off like I'm not like trying to be like the best human in the world on this. I just I'm going for kind of uh speed, but I used uh like a hyper reduced stock which I uh, blend with um, I blend with a mixture of dried chilies. It's usually like whatever I can get, but I like a, I like a mixture. I like I don't like them like hyper smoky. Like I like like a, I'll put I'll throw a couple of smoky ones in, but I like like you know like a mixture like uh, guajillo and pasilla and like uh, some others and not not that spicy because my family won't won't do it. But I like a good blend of dried chilies. Uh, blend that with the stock in the Vita Prep, uh, and then I'll pre I'll sear off all of the meat in the pressure cooker, and then throw it in. Uh, do off the alliums, throw it in with the um, throw it in with the uh, with the hyper reduced stock blended with the chilies. Then I'll pressure cook that down, pull it, reduce the stock, blend in into. Then I'm going to blend in the tomato paste, not before. And the, oh, I also sometimes put in. Uh, beer and or tequila, but then uh, then uh, I reduce it, then add it back to the meat, and then stir it and go. That's typically how I do. I also I also fold back the chicharrones uh, uh, if I'm using. I usually put some pork. By the way, I didn't mention this. I usually am, am using some pork in there too, and I fold some crunchy chicharrones back back in when, when I'm done. Uh, but I don't really have any good tricks. But I'm sure the people on the chat room will have excellent chili chili tricks. Is anyone giving us excellent chili tri- tricks, Jack? Uh, not yet. All right. So uh, how, much, how much longer do I have? Like, uh, no time. But. Oh, you're the worst. Alan, <laughs> Alan from the UK has apples, and we need to think about some apple things uh, for him uh, for, for next week. And then we have all of this week's questions, including ones on chickpea aquafaba, which we will get to the next time on Cooking Issues. Thank you to everybody in the chat room. And if you're listening on iTunes or in the podcast, be sure to tune in live every Tuesday at noon and join the conversation live. 
Thanks again. Thanks for listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can email us with questions anytime at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.